So I'll, I'll be trying to uh, read the best I can. In James chapter 4, verse 11, he says there, Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? This word slander is a word that we probably don't use every day. Uh, John MacArthur said something that I thought was interesting. He pointed this out. When the medieval monks compiled a list of the seven deadly sins, they included pride, covetousness, lust, envy, gluttony, anger, and laziness. Conspicuously absent from this list is the, is the sin of slandering others. Nor would, it, nor would slander rank very high on any contemporary list of serious sins. It is so widespread, we scarcely seem to notice it. I thought that was a, a very interesting and perceptive take on this whole thing of smack talk or talking others down or especially about uh, telling untruths about other people in order to damage their uh, reputation. That's what uh, uh, slander is. Oh, bless you. Oh, wow. Let's see here. That way, if, you know, if, uh, if I have an emergency, I'll just pull one off and the next one will drop down. Thank you. Uh, slander, as it's there in your bulletin, is noted as, is, It's an attack. To, it's a, an attack on another person, specifically or especially to. Tr you know, you kind of have to have three people, I guess, to slander. One that's being talked about, one that's doing the talking, and one that's being talked to. And it's an attempt to hurt or spoil or destroy the reputation of the other person to the third, the first person to the third person. Um, specifically. Uh, as a, it, it, it technically, legally, slander is making false statements, not simply injurious statements. But we know in real life it's a combination of all that, that really the Lord is talking about here, that he's, when he says, don't do this, don't do this to each other, don't run each other down in a way that destroys the reputation that someone has. Um, now, some people have to have very negative things spoken about them. We'll come to that. I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, it's it's a it's a continual it's a, con a very real and continual temptation to say to a third person something about another person that 
may be questionable, may be uncertain, and yet would certainly make a good story. And so we very easily pass it along. Um, I guess legally, as I understand it, to simply give your opinion about someone else to a third party is not wrong. I mean, in other words, somebody couldn't sue you for slander if all you said was, in my opinion, this person is way off base. In my opinion, what they have done is so outrageous. That's one thing. Of course, we all have the right to have our opinions. But slander is technically, legally crossing a line where it's not simply your opinion, but you're stating something as a fact or a truth when in reality it isn't. Um, this becomes very serious. Specifically, legally, slander is speech, libel is writing, and defamation is kind of the combination of both of them to, together. But I think it's it's actually the issue of defamation that's as much an interest or concern of James here as it is specifically whether it's libelous or slanderous. But it's, it's the idea that I would take away your fame. It's the idea that I would take away a, uh, your reputation or your good name. And so this is, is, is what it is. Our most powerful tool that we have in our arsenal for both good or evil, really is slander, or it really is our words, I'm sorry. And that, you know, goes both ways. I want to just take a minute and mention several places or types of descriptions of slander that are in the Scripture. First of all, I noticed, I noticed that this is, this is the, a word that's used to describe how unbelievers often talk about believers. Several places in the New Testament, Peter points out that this is how the unbelieving people refer to or talk about believers. Well, you know it's not going to be complimentary. You know it's probably produced out of jealousy or some sort of hostility. And so, if this is a description of this kind of speech, what unbelievers would often use towards believers, why would believers... James says, possibly do this against each other. And uh, this is something certainly for us to take seriously and to ponder. Slander describes what the Bible calls a fool. The, the fool. The foolish person is the person who runs others down, who beats others up verbally, who um, has to use words as a way of, of somehow uh, <clears throat> promoting themselves and bringing someone else down. Here's another verse. This is in Psalms, where in one of the Psalms, where he talks about the speech of his enemy against him is that of slander. Now, of course, that's what we expect. But my point is simply the inference from that is when you're slandering somebody, you are acting as if you are their enemy. This is how enemies work. They speak untrue things. They manipulate things the verbally in every way that they can to make you look bad because you're their enemy. And so it's worth, it's worth remembering for ourselves that this is, this is one of the ways that we exhibit not friendship, but rather being an enemy of someone. <clears throat> now, here's another uh, part of the biblical description 
of slander. Jesus said, this is in Matthew 15, that it's not a matter of word choice. In other words, oh, if I use this word, I'm slandering. If I use that word, well, I'm not really slandering. That's, and that's not the issue at all. What Jesus said was, it's the issue of my heart. And he said, it's out of the heart that these kind of things, out of the heart, things like evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and lies and slander, Jesus said. These come from within a person's heart. And Jesus said, this is what makes you unclean. I think it's, uh, it's interesting that he includes not only words, but actions. You know, a thief. Someone who steals. He says, Jesus says, that comes out of his heart. Doesn't, it isn't his skills with being able to manipulate a lock or get in a window or whatever. It's out of his heart that the, that the theft comes. That's what Jesus said. And it's out of the heart that slander, this smearing or putting down of someone else. Um, come. So it's not just words, but it is rather an attitude and a, and, and, and a condition of the heart. Here's uh, some scriptures, and I, I, I don't have these written down in your sermon notes. I'm going to read one or two of these here simply because I want you to catch something. In 2 Corinthians um, 12 verse 20. I'll just take the time to read this verse and just just listen to this association. I'm afraid, he says, when I come again, that God will humble me before you and I will be grieved over many who have sinned. Uh, I'm, I'm in the wrong verse here. There we go. This works pretty good. I'm afraid that when I come... I will not find you what I want you to be, but I fear that there may be, listen to this list, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. And then I want you to listen to this list in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to make a point, and I'll tell you what that is in a second. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is tough stuff. Do not be deceived. The sexually immoral or the idolaters or the adulterers or male prostitutes or homosexual offenders or thieves or the greedy or the drunkards or slanderers or swindlers will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed and cleansed and changed. My point is, um, there are several places in the New Testament where there's just a list, a sample list of evil behavior, and slander is there. And it just occurs to me that slander in the New Testament, any place it's ever mentioned, or in the Bible, it's always associated with these evil behaviors. It's always in the company of things like anger and theft, and immorality. It's never complimented. It's never seen in any way as a, as a positive type of an attitude or, or a positive behavior. In fact, here's how bad it gets in 1 Corinthians 5. He says there, 
that there are some people or some behaviors that are so offensive that at some point you should just cut off your association with that person. If they persist in a certain wrong, if they persist in a certain sin, and you've tried to get them to stop or you've talked to them about it and it just continues, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, quit associating with them. In fact, he says don't even eat lunch with them. Just withhold your own fellowship from them. Now, that's drastic. You know, uh, in some of you have connections with the, the Mennonite church or various Mennonite persuasions, and they uh, kind of historically have what's called shunning or the shoving aside or the refusing to fellowship. They get it from scriptures such as this in 1 Corinthians 5 where it says, look, in, in, in that list there of behaviors is slander. Paul's saying if a person is always making up lies about other people, they're always putting people down, they're always um, trying to bend somebody else's persuasion or bend their ear and persuade them to hate somebody else or to hurt somebody else. In other words, it's always a negative and evil intention to their words. And they're putting other people down or especially if they're saying untrue. Paul says just quit fellowshipping with them. That's drastic, as I see it. And yet, this is what we're told is the seriousness of this slander, which James says not to do. Do not slander your brother. Okay. Uh, I don't know if this will help or if this will confuse, but I wanted to take a moment and talk about a word. First of all, we have a great enemy, and in the Old Testament, the word used to describe him, the title, which has become a name for us, is Satan, S-A-T-A-N. In, in the Hebrew language, there's, there's usually three main words, they're called the, or three main letters, they're called the radicals, and so for Satan, S-T and N are those. And this word has a specific meaning, it means an opposite, it means an uh, an adversary, somebody who stands in front of you to block the path. That is a Satan. It is someone who's trying to stop you from doing what you want to do. And we know that fits our enemy because God wants us to fellowship with him and God wants us to do many things and Satan always is wanting to somehow stop us or block us. About two to three hundred years before Jesus lived, the uh, Old Testament world had changed. The Hebrew language was dying out. The Jews had been captive in many parts of the world. And in Egypt, there, were, there was a, a need to read. the. They wanted to read their scriptures, but many of the young people couldn't read Hebrew anymore. So a, uh, a, a translation into the Greek language, which was current at that time, um, was made. It's called the Septuagint. It's the Hebrew of the Old Testament translated into Greek. In that translation, any place in the Old Testament where the word Satan is used, the Greek word diabolos is used. So, an, an opposer, the Satan, is transferred into the Greek language as the devil. Because that's where our word devil comes from. The D and the B and the L. Slowly in our English language slid into D and V and L. And so we get our word devil from this word diabolos. 
which is from diabolo, and that's a compound word, and I'm dwelling on this because I want to make a point. I think it's a very graphic picture, at least it is to my mind. The word diabolo is a compound word. The prefix dia means through, like going into something. If I, if I, anyway, it means it means an entrance. Ballo means to throw. Our word ball comes from it. B-A-L-L. Ballistics. All kinds of words into English. Comes from this idea of hurling, tossing, shooting, throwing, that kind of thing. And so, to throw something through means that you have uh, great force and somehow or other, you're slinging or you're hurling your weapon or your instrument into the realm of someone else. So my question is, how in the world, I'm going to come back to James, but I, I want to sidetrack for a second. How in the world did Satan become devil? How in the world is it that an, and one who opposes, one who stands to block our progress becomes one who hurls or slings or throws or pierces through us. What, what is this transition um, about? Well, and, and how in the world did this, how does this tie in with slander? In the Greek language, even at that time, the word diabolos was slanderer. It meant to smear someone, to lie about someone, to shatter or exterminate or eradicate their reputation. And this is how those people perceive the role of the Satan. And it's based largely, I think, it was based on verses like these. I put two of them there. In the, in the prophet Zechariah in the Old Testament, it says so. I saw Joshua, the great high priest, and at his right side was the Satan to accuse him. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12, it refers to him as the serpent, the dragon, the devil, Satan, in verse 9. And then in verse 10, it says, and so, through the power of the Lamb, this one who accuses the brethren, the accuser is cast down. Here's the, here's the background as I see it. Behind the scenes, unknown and unseen to us, Satan seeks to turn God's love away from us. He seeks always there to accuse, to slander us, hoping that God would reject us. And so Satan is there saying, look what David did. Do you, do you realize how weak he is? And on and on and on, continually slandering us. He is called the accuser of the brothers or the sisters. Seeking to pierce the reputation or destroy the reputation. I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer. I want to I illustrate. 
Who wants to volunteer? It's, your, your life will be safe. All you got to do is come and hold a balloon for me. What color balloon do you want? And I got yellow, red, blue, orange. Blue. Okay. So, Holly. How great is your reputation? I'm hoping you want, good. You're hoping to good, so we'll put some more. She has a great reputation. So uh, this is what people think of you. This is what you think of yourself. This is, um, you probably ought to hold it with one hand. Because... Because along comes something that I can hurl. This is a dart. Perhaps it might pierce. Perhaps I might be able not just to throw it at, but to throw it into, to throw it through. And if I am able to do that, it might bang. Are you be okay? If I'm able to do this, I want you to understand something. This linguistically is a picture of slander. I am hurling Balo through Dia, Diabolos. I am the devil. This is what he does. He slings these accusations. He slings lies to God about us. And if he can pierce Look what he did to her reputation. He absolutely destroyed it. Oh, maybe I better pull the dart out of the carpet. <laughs> Thank you. This, this is the idea of what the devil really is, is about. Um, here's a picture. Oh, and, and so the linguistically... This becomes the idea of defaming or slandering. Here's, here's a picture. If you can see this or not. This is a brutal picture. I didn't know if Carol would let me put it on here or not. But look at the bull. I mean, he's, still, he's got a lot of fight in him, and I'd be fighting too. But he's been pierced. And he's got blood running down his back. And I don't, I don't understand these Spanish bullfighting things. I don't know even, I'm amazed that they still allow them to go on, actually. But apparently they're still very popular. But the bull is weakened. He's still got a lot of vim and vigor, but he's definitely weakened because the blood's running down his back. Because the matador is there constantly jabbing him with the spear. Jabbing him with the spear. And, uh, you know, they're doing it for sport or whatever. This is a picture of slander. This is, this is the, the weapon of words being thrown through or being pierced through your reputation uh, or my reputation or someone's reputation. This is the accusation that would be false. And yet it's still pressed and it's still made to see what we can get out of this or to discredit someone. This is a picture of how that person feels. 
This is a picture of the damage done. This is slander. And this is what James says, my brothers and sisters, do not slander each other. Okay. He says in this passage, you don't have a right to, to judge your neighbor. Well, how do we not judge our neighbor? Our neighbor does things we have to see, we have to pay attention. So I want to point out, he's not talking about evaluation. Of course we have to evaluate each other. He's talking about condemnation, where we basically decide we know what their fate should be and what their reputation should be. He says when we judge each other in this way, when we uh, tell lies, but when we, when we consider our repu- each other's reputation not important, and so we very easily damage it, we're sitting in judgment on the law. His point here is that the law tells us to love one another. The law is very clear that the essence of, of being a law-abiding person in the mind of God is to be a person of love. And so we, of course, are not refusing to accept the authority of the law. Here's a verse, for example, in Romans 13, where it says, look, if you love each other, you are fulfilling the law. This is what James is tying together with slander and law-keeping or law-breaking. Here's another verse in James, earlier in James where he says, look, when you love your neighbors yourself, you're keeping the royal law. You're keeping God's law. So here in verse 4, he's simply saying... When you judge each other or you slander or you destroy the, the reputation of, of another person, you're, you're refusing to accept the authority of what God has told you to do, to love others as yourself. And then he also says here in this verse that God is the lawgiver and judge. And that says to me that not only does God give the law, but God applies that law. In other words, it doesn't matter. There's no jury involved here. This is, this is the one who gave it, decides how it applies. I mean, he had the first word and he has the last word. And so, if I decide to slander someone, I'm basically saying to God, the fact that you've told me not to do this and the fact that you will judge me really doesn't matter at all to me. I'm not going to pay any attention to that kind of thing. This is what James is saying. Um, I want to address an issue that I want to just talk about an issue for a second that I think is so difficult. I, I mean, I think every day probably we deal with this. We all, we all understand that we, we're not to run other people down. We're not supposed to destroy, ruin. We're certainly not to tell lies about people. We, we, we get that. How do we tell, how do we, we're going to talk about people. We are always in situations where we have to discuss things about other people because their behavior impacts us or their, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's someone in your family. And if their behavior is negative or if, if something that they did is wrong and we have to tell someone about it or talk about it, how do we keep from, how is that not slander? Did you hear, I need to tell you about what somebody did. I need, this is a very, I think, often very delicate and very, very difficult. 
And it seems to me it's an impossible thing to think that we would avoid talking about other people in life because we are, we, we're bound to. We have to. It's just it's part of being in a family. It's part of living in a community. Unless you're going to live on a deserted island where there is nobody around within 100 miles, maybe then you can get away without ever talking about other people. So I just want to share some thoughts from the Scripture about how we go about talking about other people as we will and do. First one is just say things you know to be true. If, if you if you got to speculate, if you got to pass an opinion on, uh, make that very clear. I mean, for example, sometimes a decision has to be made. Okay, somebody's acting up. What are we going to do about this? And so a discussion has to be had, maybe among a whole entire family. Um, Something happened, we have to respond to this. So we have to discuss it. Okay. If this is your opinion, just say very clearly, this is my opinion. Or don't, don't you know, just, just be as truthful as what you can in speaking about the other person. Here's another, here's the second one. You can be truthful and still be quite negative. You can be truthful and probably still be slanderous because you're, because you're distributing that truth or you're editing that truth pretty carefully. I could probably say true things about you and when, the, when I was done, it sounded like that I'm insulting you. It's all in, you know, this can be done if we try to slant the truth or stack the truth to, to make it sound disadvantage or not report the whole truth. So, for example, we tell one side of the situation, but we don't tell the other side of the situation. I'm simply saying that we're told in the scripture to, to, let, to do things, to speak in ways that build people up, not in ways that tear people down. When, kind of the same thing, but just a wee bit different here. Even when... You must accuse someone, or your words must be disgusted, or even disciplinary. Even if that's the case, and there are times where indeed that does have to be, if you're, if you're a parent, or you're in a role where you uh, have some sort of authority, and you have to get involved in a situation, and this behavior is unacceptable and you got to tell somebody or you got to deal with it or you have to tell somebody else about it or whatever. Just balance it the best you can by love. In other words, make it clear if possible that it is not your goal to run this person down or to, to destroy anything good about them. But at the same time, these facts need to come out or this situation must be addressed. And so... It don't even hurt to say, I love this person. However, I'm not pleased or this is unacceptable. I have often been amazed at this verse. I put, I put one here, Leviticus 19. I've always been amazed at this balance that it, that it strikes. Can, can, you, can you read this? Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Okay. That sounds like I'm pretty uninvolved with anything negative. And look at the next phrase. Your neighbor gets out of line and you rebuke them. Rebuke them frankly. Don't share in their guilt and act like they didn't do anything. 
Don't let this happen in your neighborhood and not be getting involved. Get involved. Get in their face. Tell them to stop. Tell them it's unacceptable. Somehow, this scripture puts out here both sides of it and says, you can rebuke your neighbor and still not hate them in your heart. You can rebuke your neighbor and still not go about spreading slander. I'm simply saying this is the balance that we, that we need to hold as Christians. It can be very difficult, but the Lord looks at the heart, right? N- not the words. And He knows what the heart has, in, what's the motive of the heart. Um, I think this is kind of what I just said. I don't know. Okay, even if, even if your words need to be negative, I'm a little mixed up on my PowerPoints, but it's okay. Even negative or accusatory words should be balanced by love. As we talk about other people, as we discuss other, other, a, a third party with a third party, you know, it really is important for us, and this just is going along with what James says, is not, not slandering each other. We didn't really need to consider what a reputation is. You know, when, when I was blowing up the balloon for Holly, uh, you, you know, this, this bright balloon, this bright, shiny image of what other people have for us, sometimes that may be all we have in life. You, you certainly cannot put a price on it. Your good name, the Bible says, is more worth more than anything else in the world. And, you know, uh, a good name can be ruined so quickly. It can, be, it can be disturbed and destroyed in a way that's not easy to ever be brought back. And many people, and some of you here, have gone through that excruciating. You're like the bull with the, with, with the darts in your back. And you've bled and you've bled. Jesus said it like this, you want to know whether to speak about another person in a certain manner? Think about whether you would have them to speak about you in that manner. That's a very good gauge. Do you want to know whether you should, you should speak up or, or shut up? Ask yourself, if they were talking thus about you, what would you prefer to have done? And so... You know, this is, a, this is a, a wonderful guide for us to go by as human beings. Here's one of my biggest problems or trials or temptations is to go beyond what's necessary. Uh, sometimes, as I say, you know, in discussions, it is necessary to speak, to speak uh, and, and to discuss other people. But how, how, where do we stop? Well, stop as soon as possible if it's negative, I'm saying. If it's positive, go on all you want. But if it's negative, stop as much as soon as you can. That's what I was thinking about when I put this title at the top of your sermon notes. Jesus said, you know, sometimes you got to say yes or no. You got to vote. You got to speak up. You have to discuss. You have to discuss a character or a conduct of somebody else. But Jesus said, as much as you can, keep it to yep. Or nope. And I know that's a little extreme. But what Jesus said there was, if you go beyond this, anything beyond this, you start getting into the devil's territory. That's what Jesus said, the slanderer. 
the diabole. If, if, it's so, so what we have to ask ourselves is, do I have to go beyond this? Can I, can I say the bare minimum necessary? Do I have to go beyond this? It's a, it's a great test to continue to put out there um, for our own selves. And then simply this, you know, uh, this I suppose is the most important thing that I could say in this, in this thought, in, in this idea, and that is, what are the purposes of the words that you speak? In other words, what do you hope to accomplish? Not only what are you saying, but what do you hope to accomplish by what you're saying? Is it just to stir up dissension? If it is, then that's a, a, a device. You're being a divisive person or perhaps even a slanderer where you're destroying someone just by making other people feel uncertain or making other people feel unsure. And you know, as human beings, we react and we react to bad news. We react to negative view, news very quickly. And, and it's so easy for us to be persuaded to... Look at that person differently or consider that personally differently just because of something we've heard, something that we've been told. This is common humanity. And, um, and so this, this, is the, the, this is the heart of it, is when you must speak about a third party. Uh, I'm talking about if it's going to be a negative, if, uh, if it's going to be a negative assessment uh, in some way. Ask yourself, not just what do I need to say, or what can I say, or what am I saying, but why do I, what is my purpose in saying and speaking about this and describing this? And it, that'll help us as much as anything that I know is to simply focus on the purpose. And as Jesus says, when you get the purpose fulfilled, then just keep it. Because anything beyond this becomes material that, that Satan can uh, use in our lives and use against God's people. It's, a tough, it's a, tough, a tough topic because I think, as John MacArthur said, we, 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 we do it so much, we're in the midst of it so much, our country and our, our world relies on it so much that we hardly even notice it. We get caught up in it so easily. Heavenly Father, this really is, is a, a word that is, uh, brings home about the value of life, uh, the value that you place on every person that you've made, and some deserve to be disciplined, and some must be disciplined and stopped, and, and they're evil exposed. We're told this, and we understand this, but uh, this temptation is for us to go way overboard and above and beyond this. So we, we just come to pray that the self-control of your Holy Spirit will be something that each of us can use better and do better with in our own daily conversations. In Jesus' name we pray.